Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, Bob Stoffer and Brendan S. Scott with you. It's 1234 in Edmonton. Welcome, Oilers Now. And uh, do you want to tell you? That uh, guests on this show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Edmonton owned and operated open Wednesday through Sunday from 5 p.m. until close. Head down to 9990 uh, Jasper Avenue. Tell Brendan, Maggie, Taylor, and the staff at Roos Chris that Oilers now sent you. Our next guest will have an appreciation for this. I know in the past we've talked about the fact that, uh, you know, for you guys that are maybe in your 20s or 25 years of age, your gals out there that are listening to the show right now, you got a passion for the orders. So, you know, YouTube is the great equalizer in terms of providing information. All, all the terrific games, many of which our next guest actually produced. Uh, many highlight packages from those games are available. There is a guy out there, if you're in a college in NFL football and draft picks and that sort of thing, a guy named KTO, that's his handle. He's done some awesome work on some of that stuff as well. It's incredible how gifted people are with uh, that sort of thing today as we bring aboard. A longtime NHL producer, NHL insider, uh, personality in Sportsnet for a number of years. We welcome back to the show, John Shannon. John, how are you doing? Hey, Bob, how are you? Good. Do you ever catch yourself going down the rabbit hole on YouTube and uh, watching Oiler games or NHL games or hockey fights of the past? Or in my case, uh, I'll add college football highlights and games that I've watched just to oh, kind yeah. of. Sh- uh, I, do. I love I, doing that. I must admit, I, uh, fights fights wouldn't be at the top of my list, but uh, but certainly uh, have watched uh, many excerpts of some of the games from. Uh, from, from even prior to when I was producing, which started in 1978, so games in the 70s and that I might have been involved in somehow, some way. But yeah, I, I, I must admit I've uh, I've done that, and next thing you know, it's four in the morning. Yeah, well, and I'm as you know, I'm a huge uh, college football fan. Let me guess, love- Alabama. Well, they had a good weekend, but no, it's it's just interesting. I mean, I I don't I think most of our listeners get it, and it's not a self indulgent thing. The reality is, in Canada, uh, in many cases, the most competitive driven kids are geared towards hockey. Sometimes they wash out, and in the states, uh, you know, a lot of the best athletes simply put play football. Now, there's I don't. Hey, there's lots of great athletes in a lot of sports, but the amount that pipeline of talent that they have that comes through college football is amazing. Oh well, it, it, it is, uh, and it and it goes to uh, a lot of it goes to the simplicity of of the game as you're a child, uh, right. even be, even before equipment. Uh, a lot of it goes to weather. 
uh, where you uh, where you live in the southern United States, it's a lot easier to be outside 12 months a year to to be able to play a sport like football. Yeah. Um, you, you know, it's funny in our country, I, and you know, there has been an alarm rung amongst the hockey world is that there are declining numbers in 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 hockey uh, and the only reason at this point that they are staying level is because of uh, the great influx of females into the game uh, and and in, in if you live in certain parts of the country the diversity of of, of the population now is hockey is taking uh, at times a a, a backseat to basketball and a backseat to soccer Sure. Well, and I mean, so we already talked about Alfonso Davies on the start today. What an incredible, uh, you know, what an incredible year he had last year. Now yeah. he's going to be out a couple months with an injury. And I, frankly, it could have looked, I thought it could have been worse based upon how he, could just, you know, kind of collapsed by himself there. And I, I didn't even bring up Chuba Hubbard this week from, you know, uh, Oklahoma State, who last year led the NCAA in rushing. I mean, think about that. A kid from Sherwood Park, Alberta, yeah. leads the NCAA in rushing. It's just kind of crazy when you think about it. Well, it, it, it's like um, uh, in the, in the 70s when we were growing, got, coming out of high school, maybe going to university, and we were shocked to see that the you know the starting catcher for the Houston Astros was from Regina, you know, and Terry Poole, you know, and it was it was one of those things where um, great athletes get revealed at certain points, and that's uh, obviously with with Davies and the growth of soccer in our country and around the world on a regular basis. And, right. again, the simplicity of playing the sport. Yeah. Um, but uh, the, the Hubbard story is an interesting one because, for the most part, the only place where there's been growth of football in our country is in the province of Quebec, uh, where they have really latched on to the sport uh, uh, both at the, uh, at the college level, university level, and in minor football. Uh, and and you've been able to see that with the with the amount of uh, players that the the CFL have been contributed from the province. So uh, to me, uh, to, to see Hubbard do what he's done uh, out of Sherwood Park is absolutely phenomenal. It also goes to it also goes to those bird dogs that uh, that you know that work uh, Western Canada that work all over the place to try to find the best athletes for their universities. Tape. Right, that's the other thing. Right now, you can well, get yeah. Vi- yeah. you can yeah, get video. Absolutely, you can get videotape. There, I, somebody will send me the name if they could. Text us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. There's a kid from Fort McMurray that is playing, I believe, in a team in the uh, uh, SEC right now. So I I know there's uh, I, like the Mechie kids playing for Alabama. He's really good, and they're going to need him because they just lost arguably the most dynamic player in the country to an injury. Uh, and I know there's another Canadian that's playing at Tennessee, but there's a kid from Fort McMurray at one of the other uh, SEC schools as well. So I mean to think that a kid gets out of Fort McMurray and plays in plays in the you know what's been the frankly the best conference in college football for the last 15 years is crazy. Yeah, well, and then you have to wonder. How many how many schools and how many conferences looked at him and said, "No, nah, he's not good enough." That's the yeah. other part, because you know, as you as you say, I mean, you know darn well what what happens is, is you, you you put together a uh, whether it's via email or whether it's actually on a DVD, you put you, sure. you, you put together how many of these things and send them to fifty schools to try to get a job. Yeah, absolutely. All right, John. Uh, GM meetings took place on Friday. Now, Mike Russo had quite an extensive piece written in the Athletic. Uh, what have you been able to uh, uncover over the course of a weekend? What are you hearing? Uh, well, uh, I, I mean, it, 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 
it's pretty self-evident that this, the, the league still is kind of wavering on where they are. I, I think the most important thing that came out of the of, of Friday uh, was that the you know the manager was were told to be prepared for January and be prepared for uh, or early in that month. Uh, but at the same time, that uh, there's a very good chance that we won't play 82 games, um, and and you know this is this is at the general manager level. This is not at the owners level, where I think that what we're going to hear and what we keep hearing is there's going to be a lot more pushback from the owners uh, to start uh, as early as January 1st um, without people in the building. So from just from that perspective. Uh, all the all the uh, basic housekeeping duties that managers are told to be prepared for for the start of a regular season. That's what they were told for, uh, told about. Um, and then there, you know, there was the regular, you know, uh, annual whining of people who you know didn't like the draft lottery and think the draft lottery should be changed. And that's something as <laughs> as a uh, former league employee, uh, you, you can actually pick and choose. Uh, at will, the teams that will do the same complaining every year when it comes to things like that. Yeah, uh, Lamar Goods, by the way. Now, I'm wondering if Lamar is the son of Benny Goods. Uh, he was up in Fort McMurray, and he signed in Florida, so I'm wondering if that's who it is. Somebody had sent me this text. I'm just sort of looking to dig into it. Just uh, on the draft stuff, I mean, I... It's ironic, right? All the focus was on Edmonton. You know, they, they ended up with four number one picks in a span of six years. Now, they only won the lottery in two of those four years, and they certainly won the lottery in the most important of those years in 2015. Mm -hmm. But New Jersey and Chicago have actually benefited far more than the Oilers did. Well, and, the, of, and the Rangers this year. And the Rangers this year. So there you yeah. go. Three, yeah, three. You know, I, I mean, I, I think to me the big question becomes is how many teams should be in the lottery? Right. Uh, and uh, when, you know, when the league announced that there were going to be 24 teams in return to play, uh, and one of them was the Rangers, and there's no way that, they, that, that the Rangers should have been in the lottery, for my thinking. Um, it should have been relegated to the seven teams that didn't even get to the bubbles. Uh, at the same time, I mean, the, the way the mathematics worked, was that you know if you like the Oilers and the Rangers that they had the same percentage of 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 uh, uh, being able to win the first pick as many of the other teams did and it, it just there there wasn't not that it wasn't thought through but in the end quite frankly it wasn't thought through uh, and and I think that there weren't enough percentiles involved in teams that had a lot more points than than the teams that missed the playoffs. You know, Buffalo is in a little different state than, for instance, than the Red Wings. But I, in many ways, I just think the Red Wings got robbed this year. And so do I. I have, I have no affinity for the hockey club, uh, you know. And But at the same time, when you think how few points they had and they didn't have the first overall pick, and I don't believe they were really tanking, uh, that tells you that there had to be a little frustration at Little Caesars Arena. Our NHL insider, John Shannon, Bob Stoffer with you in Oilers now. All right, John, so specific to return to play, were you surprised that, you know, we didn't get more information, or is this part and parcel with maybe the fact that everybody's just giving themselves a chance to exhale after the completion of the 1920 season at the end of September? I'm not sure how much information they can give, because I, I just don't, I don't think there's very much nailed down yet, Bob. I mean, you know, that when you when you think that you know the managers' meeting was Friday, 
And the United States have had the two highest daily levels of COVID tests, uh, positive COVID tests uh, since then. It tells you how fragile the world is right now. Um, you, you know, I mean, there are so many variables. What, what if the, uh, and we talked about it briefly last week, what if the, uh, what if the, uh, the, the, the quick COVID test at the Calgary airport works? Yep. What if it works? Um, and, and how does Well, let's that hope it works. Let's hope oh, it yeah. works. Hey, right? Absolutely, let's hope it works. Um, and how, how does that change things? What if, the, what, what if in the United States the election uh, on November the 3rd changes the whole dynamic of politics and, and there is an edict um, quicker, sooner than January 20th to wear masks? I mean, I, I just think there are so many variables, and I, I, I think that uh, the league has given the, the enough solid information that they can give out now, and everything else is just in limbo. You know, it's the uniqueness of hosting a show like this as we're joined by John Shannon. As John, we'll have people say, I don't want to hear about COVID. i got to learn to hear about that all during all the other shows, and I don't want to hear about the U.S. election. But the reality is those two are both factors in when we potentially return to play, aren't they? Oh, huge factors. Uh, huge factors. Um, I mean, when you when when you have one of the candidates taking credit for college football returning, yeah, it is a factor. Um, and and it's it's unfortunate. I, I I am a I am a huge believer in in the world of sports that we live in should be escapism. Um, but unfortunately, when it comes to the business of sport. And it be, and it becomes to the politics of a of a situation. And right now they're they're so intertwined that it's difficult not to mention them. Yeah, uh, certainly looks like the Canadian division is going to be a reality, especially when factoring in again the border situation. It just makes too much sense, doesn't it, John? It does. Yeah, it does. And um, you know, I, I I think there's there's going to be a lot of people in our country that are going to be fascinated with. Uh, with with having the seven teams play each other, um, and it's uh, when you look at the quality of players on all seven teams oh. now. I mean, there are names, quality names on all seven teams now. We couldn't say that. I don't think we could say that uh, at at a certain point in the regular season last year. But all seven teams um, have big names, superstars. Uh, that, uh, that that I think will make it, will make the games competitive and compelling, uh, and um, I, I have you know research years and years of research to back it up that when two Canadian teams play, more people watch on television. So that's a positive for the National Hockey League and for the rights holders. Well, certainly for Sportsnet, who's in for what, uh, with Rogers, over $450 million per year, which is double the amount for the, U- the U.S. for the uh, national rights for the NHL. The only thing now, John, you can correct me if you disagree here. Uh, theoretically, let's just say we play a 48-game sked, and it's only all Canadian. Logic dictates that only four teams per division is going to make it. That means only four of the seven Canadian teams will make it. And given the weakness of three of the California teams right now, no disrespect to those organizations who have owned some of their Pacific Division brethren for years, mm-hmm. but I, I would have had six of the seven Canadian teams in a normal year in the playoffs. The only team I wouldn't have had in was Ottawa. I mean, Montreal, they vastly improved their team. The Leafs were, you know, they've been a consistent playoff team. The Oilers have taken a step forward. Vancouver and Calgary were good teams last year, and the Jets are a good team. 
So yeah. only only four only four of the seven will make it. Well, just is that the the, the most logical scenario? Is if they go Canadian division, that it'll be for the entirety of the year, not for maybe say the first two months of the year, and then they'll uh, you know go America West for the final two months of the year. Well, again, it, it, it all depends on the variables of what what is international travel going to be like. Are we able to cross the 49th parallel with ease? Um, you, you know, I would I would hope that the NHL is doing this on the basis that they're going to going to be able to have a a segmented schedule, and at a certain point, you get to be able to go and play other teams in the Western Conference or other defined teams. Uh, in, in in a new divisional system, or you break you break the uh, the league down into into four regions, uh, and you then put either four teams per division in the in a in the playoffs for the bubble. Because if if it's still bad in at the end of the regular season, we're going to go back to the bubble. Uh, or you go uh, maybe Bob, you go top three in wild cards. Which, yeah. you know, we've, we we understand how the wild card system works, as yeah. we have for the last few years in the in the National Hockey League. So I I don't think it's just a given that if it's seven teams playing and it's the top four that make it, I think there could be a wild card aspect to it too, in order to tr- try to make it more um, even from a competitive level. That if there if the five there are five great teams in the Canadian division versus the you know the the West Coast division of the United States, then that's the way it would be. All right, John, I'm going to get you to put on your producer's hat here. Uh, Favorite moment where you were doing a game and you just sat there and thought, wow, this is unbelievable theater. And maybe mention, I I mean, I I would assume most of us would probably remember it, but a game where you were producing the game and it was just off the charts. Um, Well, right off the top of my head, I'd have to go Wayne's 50 goals in 39 games. You know that was such a uh, such an amazing night at the Coliseum. Um, when you consider he started with 45, yeah, uh, and there, we didn't think there was any way he was getting to 50. It was the Philadelphia Flyers. They were wearing those ugly Cooperalls, uh, and and it, then it just started to happen. And then it just you could just feel the momentum of the evening. Um, of, of all the games I ever. Individual games. There are actually, and I'm not being corny here, but there are so many that that I loved doing and love being part of that they all kind of <laughs> they all kind of mesh together. But but 50 and 39 to me was as special uh, as any. And uh, I've, I've told this story on this program before. The, the the fascination about it is, and I probably if I was the executive producer of the producer I was, I'd be in trouble because. Uh, Wayne's empty net goal, uh, the reaction of the Coliseum with his teammates, with the fans, with the spectacle that it was, uh, there was no replay of the empty net goal. And I defy anybody to find one on the show that there was a replay of the empty net goal. Yeah. And uh, that to me was as... It's uh, just Mark Ma- just Mark we, were Ma- all, we were all caught up in the moment. It was yeah. just something that we... I had, I had, been, I had done Mike Bossy's 50 and 50, Right, and I thought that was special, and we all thought fifty and fifty was so. I mean, it was untouchable. Nobody could ever do fifty and fifty, and then Wayne all of a sudden does fifty and thirty-nine. When Bossy scored, didn't he kind of run on the ice a bit for? Yeah, about, oh yeah. Well, that was his. Fa- that was one of his favorite yeah. celebration traits. He did that right. m- numerous times, but that 
you know, that big shot from, you know, he sure. had a great shot. Not, not many people, I think, today would understand and appreciate the shot that Mike Bossy had. Uh, but, uh, yeah, to score that that goal and then – but but to me, Wayne's, uh, Wayne's 50 and 39 would, and was would it, certainly it, top the list. And I think it was Messier that tackled him in the corner after he scored the goal and the boys all <laughs> piled Very on top. Very quickly, they were all there. Oh, yeah, I was – and that was – people forget this, John. That was a time – during the early 1980s, where when teams scored, like when Sittler, and Sittler was in the late 70s, but when he got his six-goal, ten-point game, yeah. like like the whole team used to come off the bench after big goals. During, yep. So you would have, like, you know, you'd have a whole team come off a bench to celebrate a goal. Yeah, and you know, well now, now, Bob, in order to do it, you have to actually ask permission of the league to do it. You have to say, you know what? Uh, this is going to be uh, this is going to be a special night when you know somebody hits a milestone. Will you right. give us permission, please, to uh, uh, to allow our our, ben- our team to celebrate? John, we've talked about the Arkansas Razorbacks, and now the show's totally gone to the dogs. We'll hook up on Wednesday, okay? Well, Kevin doesn't think that fifty and thirty nine is the right game. So, <laughs> your dog's name is Kevin? Yeah. Well, I, I, see, there he is. I have two dogs, Kevin and Lucy. Kevin's named after the minion. He's oh, he's named after oh. Well, Hudson would be a fan of that. Let me tell you. Thanks. Well, I better go. <laughs> see you later, John. Bye. <laughs> see ya. That is John Shannon, our NHL insider, Bob Stauber, with you. That is funny. Uh, G. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Jason from Sangudo has got arguably one of the top 10 texts of the year coming up when we come back in Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. It's 1256 in Edmonton. You can text us at any time on the Ashley Fine Floors text line, 780-496-0063. The Chisler out of Las Vegas who listens to us online daily. Reminder, Brendan Escott, make sure the podcasts are up. They're broken in a half-hour segments for you almost immediately following each segment going on the air. Here is the chiseler. Bob, I am a man of few words, and I'm not ignorant. The amount of talent that the Seattle Seahawks have this season is undeniable. They will hoist, Bob. i got to get a little bit more push from that D-line there, chiseler. The Chisler adds, I love the Oilers, I love the Rangers, I love Fort McMurray. Uh, look forward for a late ger- uh, January startup. And remember, the Chisler is in Vegas where Bill Foley was the guy that actually sort of cemented uh, and affirmed that the Canadian division was a distinct possibility when Nate Schmidt was traded to Vancouver. Bob, I, were, I heard you were unbelievable at your craft circa 1987. But there's no beta footage out. Okay, thank you very much, Chisler. And here it is, Jason from Sangudo on our Ashley Fine Floors text line. Bob, the Canadian team should play for their own cup. 
It'll be called the SNC Lavalin slash We Cup from Jason and Sangudo. Oh, well done, sir. That's kind of funny. Uh... This text comes in. I remember the Gretzky 50-goal night, and it was similar to Sittler's big night. It was unbelievable, like being witness to something otherworldly. Well, you know, and I know it was just one goal in terms of what McDavid did in Toronto. But when he scored that goal, when he walked Morgan Riley one-on-one, you know, and it just, the Oilers had won in Boston on Saturday and then beat the Leafs on the Monday night, and Connor had made it 6-3 at that point. It was like... That's a goal scored by a guy not from this planet. In terms of Gretzky, back when he got five, uh, people forget he came in that game with 45. But he actually scored four goals in the game before. He had nine goals in games 38 and 39 to get to 50. That's obscene. I can even remember where I was. Brendan, I was playing ball hockey with my buddies outside. I was listening to Rod Phillips call the game. And after he got his fourth goal, we all raced back inside to see if he'd get the empty netter. Think about that for a second. I mean, you talk about, remember where you were. Uh, there you go. You can text us at any time, 780-496-0063. Uh, excited Don here, says Bob. Uh, my partner in season tickets, Jack and I, were driving to the game. He said to me, why can't Gretzky get five goals tonight? I told him it's the Flyers, and they were a really good team. Uh, <laughs> your partner, Jack, got it right there, Don. There you go. That was, it was crazy how it all shook out. One of the greatest accomplishments you'll ever see. By the very understated, may I add, Wayne Gretzky. 12.59 in Edmonton. Hour number two, Edmonton Oilers assistant GM Keith Gretzky. will talk a bit about the makeup of the farm team in Bakersfield for the upcoming season. And uh, out of the uh, 1 o'clock news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, we'll hook up with Alan May. This is Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.